when we had our, our niece and, uh, and her wife visiting with, with us the other day, um, Melinda asked, what's your favorite thing besides family? What's your favorite thing about Spain? Hold on a second. Ann, what are you saying? What? I know. What did I say? Oh, that's a big difference. <laughs> Our niece and her husband. <laughs> so is it going to be one of those mornings? I don't know. Well, thanks for saying it. Okay, so Melinda and Rob. And Melinda said, what's your favorite thing, other than family, about Spain? Okay, and you said food. I said, hmm? Slow living? I didn't say that. I do. Okay, that's, that's a different thing. There are, and also there are the castles, the palaces, the, the mountains. The beaches? What? Yeah. I said... My church. This. This is my favorite. So, so those of you who don't have a place, this is a safe place. This is a good place. This is a place that will love you. This, will, this is a place that will uh, nourish you and welcome you. I have a quote here from Eugene Peterson's son, Leif, who at his father's funeral uh, said that his father only had one sermon, <laughs> that he had tricked everybody for 40 years with only one sermon. And he said, it was this, God loves you. God is on your side. He is coming after you, and he is relentless and he so the son said at every sermon he's talking about the love of God and he's relentless he's out to get you he wants you he wants to claim you back he's our God and so this morning I want to think with you about that here's another quote that I got from uh, Kathleen Norris and she said for some reason we human beings seem to learn best how to love when we're a bit broken, when our plans fall apart, when our myths of our self-sufficiency and goodness and safety are shattered. We tend to love better when we're a bit broken or shattered. Here's a, a, something I got from a friend of mine on social media. He had posted this. I ended up copying that post to mine. And it started blowing apart. I mean, people were loving and loving, saying, yes, welcome to the family of God. Welcome. But he said that Kat Von D, and I don't know anything about her except that she was a star on a movie, L.A. Inc., about tattooing. And I'm not big on tattooing, but she's obviously big on tattooing. And he says she is an incredible tattoo artist who previously had a national TV show called L.A. Inc., once obsessed with the occult and witchcraft. She left behind her old way of life in California, moved to a small town in Indiana, and after finding faith, she's come out as a new Christian. 
And a couple of weeks ago, she was baptized in a small Baptist church, and the video went viral. He said, I read an article today where she tragically stated that even though the majority of her followers are non-believers, the worst criticism and vitriol that she had gotten for receiving Christ is from other people claiming to be Christians. So what? She wears black. So what? She's covered with tattoos. She's a new follower of Christ. And, and uh, she, if you truly know Christ, she's now your sister. She may not fit the stereotypical look, but she should be embraced, loved, and welcomed with open arms. And the sad truth is that the, big, the biggest deterrent to people knowing Christ is the very people who say they follow him. Seems many of us have forgotten our own sinful past and also fail to remember that Jesus always ran to the broken, to the marginalized, the outcast, and unaccepted. We must do better. As for me, I'm thrilled she's part of the family. And so I, I just copied that and just... Everybody, okay, interesting. And they loved her, loved her. We want you. Congratulations, you're, you're a child of God. And what a beautiful thing. But what a, a lesson for us to think and to be the people that welcome folks into the body of Christ. Now, the last time I stood here, I introduced the book of Ephesians to you. And actually, we went into chapter 1 and chapter 4. I want to do a bit of review with you. I'll try to do it quickly. But then I want to go into chapter 3 because I think there's some what I call parenthetical material that, that actually adds force to this idea of us, of us loving God with all of our heart and loving each other like ourselves. So let me remind you of this. The Apostle Paul writing to the church at Ephesus. And, um, and on this side, it's all the, the things that we had discussed about the, the church at Ephesus. What a church plant. And speaking about this young lady that I just showed the picture of coming out of the occult and coming out of witchcraft. Uh, they had a lot of that in Ephesus and there was the burning of magic books there. There was quite the uproar. Uh, putting the silver uh, workers, crafters, making their idols, almost putting them out of business, and they, they turned everybody against Paul. They rioted, but Paul was able to leave in peace. Someone stood up for him. On the other side of the, of the page, uh, he was uh, later gathering funds. He'd gone up into Macedonia, gathering funds to take back to Jerusalem because of a big famine. But he comes near Ephesus. He stops at Miletus. He prays with them on the beach in Miletus. The elders had come 30 miles uh, to meet with him there. They're kneeling. They're bowing. They're praying on the beach. They're begging him not to go on to Jerusalem. Things will happen to you if you go. He knows, he knows it'll happen. He knows it'll happen. And he's writing them from prison. <laughs> Proof that they were right. But he's going on purpose into the danger. But it says, I love the little statement at the bottom. I just put it there. Uh, chapter 21 of Acts, verse 1. Um, that after we had torn ourselves away, 
we put out to sea and we sailed. So that idea of the, the closeness that the apostle felt. So that there are people here in this church that are received, they are welcomed, they are brought in, they are put to work, they are praying for each other, they're loving on each other, and then they get called and they, they go on. And they are, they are, in essence, torn away. There's something of that, that tearing that happens. And that's what Paul was experiencing there. So I remind you again, chapter 1. He praises God. Of God, the Father choosing, the Son redeeming, the Holy Spirit sealing us with you as the focus of divine attention. And it blows me away. And we've been singing these songs of worship this morning. And it, it blows me away. That last song about this incredible love of God for us. And that love of God, as the last phrase of the song said, it lifts us up to him. It lifts us up to him. Into the heavens it lifts us up. So he has focused on us. He loves us. We are written into his story as he chooses and redeems and seals And there he is. Let me go to this just briefly. And you know I've said this about every time I've gotten up. There's usually this uh, indicative and imperative in Scripture. So I remind you again. What God has done and then the therefore. And don't get the cart before the horse. Don't think that what I have done becomes more important than what God has done. But what he has done in my life and then therefore. So he's still writing the story. We are the one body with one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And I'm just flying through this. One God, the Father of us all. And he's given us all grace. We're equipped for ministry. We attain to the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God. We're joined and held together as all parts work together to make the body grow. And it's built up in love. And so here we are, gifted, Ministers together, not just, not just the, the official pastors being the pastors, but we're all, and this is what he says in chapter 4, we are all ministers together. We're servants together for Christ and so serve in the body. Now, last week, last weekend, Ann and I went over to Segovia and we saw the, the wonderful aqueduct again. I love the the cities around Spain. But here's one of our favorites, Segovia. The aqueduct. We went and we saw the Alcazar of Segovia. We went into it this time. Not just looking from the outside, but we went into it. And here's the place. We saw, I saw this little room where the, uh, the, the treasure of the crown of Castile was. In this, I mean, it's not still there. But it was the, the treasure room. Uh, where they had financed the uh, travels of Christopher Columbus. That means a lot to me, <laughs> coming from the United States. I'm, I'm sort of glad uh, that Spain financed him <laughs> and came over and did some things and discovered, and things have happened. Queen Isabel did a lot there. Uh, King Ferdinand uh, met with Columbus for the last time. In this throne room that's there, you have to walk past this to get to the throne room. I don't think they um, had the horses. 
I, I, I know this was more like for jousting, I believe, or parades. But they were there on display. These are not real. But here we enter this room, and it's the throne room. It's a beautiful room. And over to the left, the thrones. And so uh, I wonder, I don't know, how many people would, would they see? How many people would they allow to come into their presence? And what would the decisions be? Would it go in their favor or would it not? When a Christopher Columbus comes in and says, I've got this idea. <laughs> I've, I've got these ships. I need some money. I need to go. But the other ideas, what other things or what other decisions were made? But you walk into the throne room and you ask. And so in this part, as we come into chapter 3, Paul enters the throne room. But it's not of Ferdinand. It's of God. It's a big throne room. And God, by the way, has been God for a long, long time. And he knows exactly what he's doing. So we come into it. And there is this, this idea. I'm calling it the centering core. Because in the prayer, he is going to talk about the depth of the love of Christ. He's going to ask that we could have it. But let's, let's look. And I remind you that Paul had a special relationship with them. I want to remind you also, he's writing to the church at Ephesus. In Revelation, uh, Jesus, through John on the Isle of Patmos, but Jesus is the one who addresses the church at Ephesus and tells them they've left their first love. That's Ephesus. We're reading a letter to Ephesus. Paul has been torn away from them, all right? And now Jesus addresses them. They've left their first love. John, the apostle of love, lived there in the last days of his life, had a lot to say about love, possibly talking about it so much or writing about it because of what he's experiencing. So there's a lot of emphasis on the love of God in John's writings and from prison Paul addresses them. In chapter 3, verse 1, he mentioned, I am the prisoner of God on your behalf. In chapter 4, verse 1, he comes back to that idea and talks about us being the body of Christ. But I, I wonder here, as I look at those two thoughts, what... Was he going to get into this idea of the body of Christ and then the Holy Spirit moves him in a little bit different direction? Because I'm the prisoner of Christ. I'm prisoner for your sake. I'm now in prison. And he comes back to that thought later about the body of Christ. So I'm, I look at this as somewhat parenthetical where the Spirit drives him a little bit deeper into this thought of what motivates us to be the body of Christ. Before I go into this body of Christ uh, teaching, let me drive you a little bit deeper. Let's drill a little bit deeper into this matter. So he reminds them he is the prisoner for Christ. And I believe that he uses the full weight of his special relationship with them, with his imprisonment, and also divine inspiration as an apostle to drive them into this centering core of the love of God. So, 
in the reading that was read a moment ago, and I'm going to go, I'm going to go beyond that reading in just a, bit, a little bit deeper into the text. But in that reading, Paul called himself, uh, in his imprisonment, he called himself less than the least of all of God's people. He is imprisoned. He is less, he calls it a gift. And I don't know, have you ever gotten a gift like that? If, if someone said, I've got, I've got a great gift for you. Here, uh, here's some handcuffs. I'm taking you to prison. Here's your gift. He said, this gift that I have is this gift of ministry and now imprisonment. It's the grace of God. I have a gift. And I don't even deserve it. I am, he says, less than the least. And he coins a word here. I don't know if you can find it anywhere else. But it's combining the comparative and the superlative. And says, I'm the leastress of all. And yet, I get this gift to bring the message to the Gentiles. So here, the leastress. And we know, I would look at the Apostle Paul and say, what? You're the leastress? Look what you've done. You've covered the earth with the gospel message. But in his heart, he was so humble before God. So now we have this reading. And we're going to read it twice. First, we're going to read it in this translation that is the uh, English Standard Version. And um, there, I also put the, we have the Spanish text there. But then I want to read it out of the uh, English Version for the Death. I, I just want it to... to to sink in. English version for the deaf will come in just a moment. But let's, let me read this one and then go into this one. For this reason, okay, he enters the throne room, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. He says, it's impossible to grasp it. But I'm asking God to give you the power to grasp it, to get it, to, to allow it to sink into your, to your inner being by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I would ask you to stand, if you would. Please stand, and let's read this one together. This is from the English translation for the deaf. And just join me, if you would, and let's let it sink in for just a moment. As we've prayed... We've prayed that God would touch us. We've prayed that he would work on us. I can say a lot of things today, but I'd like for the Holy Spirit to work on us. 
and hear his words and see what he has for us. And then I'll share with you what I have. But he may have something entirely different for you. So I just wanted to settle upon us for a moment and read this with me if you would. So I bow in prayer before the Father. Every family in heaven and on earth gets its true name from him. I ask the Father with his great glory to give you the power to be strong in your spirits. He will give you that strength through his spirit. I pray that Christ will live in your hearts because of your faith. I pray that your life will be strong in love and be built on love. And I pray that you and all God's holy people will have the power to understand the greatness of Christ's love. I pray that you can understand how wide and how long and how high and how deep that love is. Christ's love is greater than any person can ever know. But I pray that you will be able to know that love. Then you can be filled with the fullness of God. With God's power working in us, God can do much, much more than anything we can ask or think of. To Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus for all time forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. That is an incredible block of Scripture. And I, I love the piece at the bottom where God working in us can do much, much more than all we could ask or imagine. But I want to remind you, it's in the context of Him saying... He loves you so much, you can't even imagine it. You don't have the power to know how much he loves you. And then he says, but he's got the power to grant you a gift, to get a glimpse, to understand something of the love of God. Let's, let's go into it a bit. He enters the throne room. He wants us to know the love of Christ that's beyond knowing. In fact, it takes the Holy Spirit to give us that power. To be strong in the inner being. To be strong in the inner... You know, there's an inner being that we have. I, this is a, a, a thought that I had as I always come to this expression of inner being. And I was at the deathbed of a friend of mine, uh, Barton Law, a longtime gospel minister. And he's sitting there, Tom, he says, one time, I, he said, I, I was at a funeral. Here he is telling me this. I was at a funeral. The casket was open. And he said, I made a mistake. He said, I said, I said, this is just the shell. The nut has gone home. And I said, well, well that is a little bit of a, not the best way to say it. But you're driving into something. That we're more than simply the shell. There's something more here. And he wants us to be strong in our inner being, in our spirit being. Uh, that Christ indwells our hearts. And that we would have a life that is strong in love. And that's built on love. 
that we could grasp the greatness of Christ's love, how wide and long and, and high and deep it is, and be filled with the fullness of God. And I look at that and think, how do we, how do, we do that? How do we do it? When you think of, of what love means, and uh, as we think of what love means, I think of other places where the apostle is talking, has talked to or written to churches that had a lack of love issue and talked about it being these things. How we treat each other. And I look at this at the bottom. I said, you know, I've heard people say, put your name there. Love is this. And how does that measure up? Whew. I was reading in this book that... Um, Someone who loves me and cares a lot about me had recommended Courage to Change and saw this little quote at the bottom of one page by Henry David Thoreau. He said, let us spend one day as deliberately as nature and not be thrown off the track by every nutshell and mosquito's wing that falls on the rails. And that caught my attention because I think sometimes I get distracted and I let something like a mosquito's wing that gets on the track derail me. Keep the focus. This is the definition of love. And we see God unpacks that for us in Christ. He, he has loved us. He has created us. And He has given everything for us. And so if we want to see the perfection of this, we have to look to Jesus. That's why I always point people to the Gospels and see how Jesus lived. How did He love? How did He impact people? How did He take time to sacrifice? And then ultimately on the cross. And if we say, as Paul did, that love is the greatest gift, I think the world would say amen to that as long as they get to define what love is. Okay, and if I look, and you might know these words in the Greek, eros, for my pleasure, sexual love, if, if they define it, hey, yeah, love is wonderful. Or for my family, storge, or for my friends, of course, phileo. These are some of the words in the Greek, but we're dealing with a new word. We're dealing with a sacrificial love, and it's called agape in the Greek. It's agape love, and it's an action. And it's not just saying, I love you for something that I can get out of you. It's not just saying, I love you, and I refer you over to somebody else. I back away from the situation, or I love you, and I'm now leaving you because it's inconvenient. Or... I love you, and, well, think about this part. I, I put a thought up at the end. Not always, thank you for that, Sashi. Not always reciprocal, even if not loved back. Loving, even if. Even if they don't know you're the one doing something good for them. That's okay. It can be anonymous. So, it's impossible to grasp. It's the life and the death, the resurrection of Jesus, impossible. Paul says, it's beyond us. 
We can't wrap our minds around it. It means so much. But God does the impossible and He lets us in on it. Not that we can fully understand it. He wants us to. He, he wants us to. But we can get glimpses of the love of Christ. And he prays this. With God's power working in us, God can do much, much more than anything we ask or think of. To Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus for all time, forever and ever. Amen. God is, and I made this one up. <clears throat> If Paul can coin one, I can coin one. God is the mosterist. He's the mosterist. If Paul can say, I'm the leasterist, we can say God is the mosterist. And He does the impossible. In His love, He has lifted us up to Himself. He has chosen, redeemed, sealed, brought us home to Himself Impossible for me to, to get the full impact of that, but God does the impossible and says, let me give you a glimpse <coughs> of my love. <coughs> so, if my love is distracted by a mosquito's wing that goes across the track, <coughs> maybe I can get better at it. <coughs> Comparing it with Christ, I might get discouraged. I might get discouraged and think I've got to answer everything at once. I've got to be perfectly sacrificial all at once. New Christians, new believers, newly baptized might get discouraged. Wow, I made a mistake. I remember after being baptized... I made a mistake on the way to the car, and my older brother pointed out, you were just baptized. <laughs> We're right. <laughs> I haven't quite arrived yet, have I? Listen to this. 211 degrees Fahrenheit, or 99 Celsius. That water is hot. <laughs> you, know what, you know what happens with one more degree? It will move a train. One more degree, and you've got steam, and you can move a train. So what I remind myself is, I can get, I can get distracted, maybe at times, by a mosquito's wing that falls on the track. And I want perfection of love. Maybe I can just give it one more notch. So maybe I can give it one more touch. You see what I'm saying? Don't get discouraged. Crank it up a notch and see what in the world God wants to do with your love. Impossible love, therefore love, one more degree. That's what I'm asking of you. Give it one more degree. Don't give up. Don't walk out. Don't back away. Don't hand the problem off to somebody else. Turn it up one more degree. And love each other. And love God. 
one more degree and see what he wants to move.